Now, it moves on to uh, chapter five. Mm -hmm. And the very first sentence in chapter five is, my son, pay attention to my wisdom. And he's turn your ear to my words of insight that you maintain discretion and your lips may preserve knowledge. Now, and then the next one after that is for the lips of adulterous woman drip honey and her speech is smoother than oil. Mm -hmm. And that deserves for the people listening to be reread at least two or three times, especially if you're a man. Mm -hmm. Because I know plenty of men that have all said this one particular statement. I couldn't, women won't pay me no mind until I got married. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, here they come. Mm -hmm. But it's a true statement, dude. Nobody right. wants what nobody else wants. <laughs> Boom. So, but why? We already know why, because most men is not teaching other, you know, we're not getting it. But mm -hmm. it's just interesting how we don't learn this lesson until after the fact. Now. But now, but, you know, written, uh, what? This is what? 2,500 years ago? Right. <laughs> <laughs> it sits right here. <laughs> you know, it's just interesting how we just gloss over, you know, stuff like this, the wisdom that's in here. Um, why do you think we're not, as men, teaching our sons this particular thing? Well, I, I, you know, I, I because we don't want our sons to know our mistakes. I, I mean, I think that's the bottom line. Is right. that is that. If, if, if you made a mistake and cheated on your wife and that causes your, your marriage to dissolve, no man, I think, goes back and says to their son, hey, listen, let me tell you the mistake I made. Right. You know, it, even if the son is, let's say the, the, the family is divorced. And so you, you are a father and you spend a lot of time with your child. But, the ch you know, you, but you don't sit down with your 16 year old and say, listen, this is, I, I made a huge mistake. Right. You know. You know, we had a good marriage, or we had an okay marriage, or whatever. You know, and it was my fault, and blah. No one wants to make get, make that admission, right? That's right. To, you know, to their son. So, so you don't get that information. You don't tell your child, "Hey, listen. You know, don't don't do it. It happened to me. It's not worth it." You know, just because we like to maintain a certain sense that we have some integrity, right? But but you're right. What what Solomon says, listen. I, I need you to understand what discretion is all about. And, you know, and his, his thing is that, you know, in reading that chapter, he says to us, what you have at home is equal or better than what you can get somewhere else. Right. Right. That's kind of what he's saying. Right. Is that all women have the same properties. So why would you go elsewhere and pay for what you're getting at home for free, right? Mm -hmm. Or what you've already paid for, I should say, because you've already <laughs> bought the house, already paying those bills. And why would you risk what you have for something that's out there? And, and, and again, and that's something, like you said, it needs to be taught, but, but it's not emphasized because most people don't value that. In, you know, most guys don't see that as a, a, a valuable thing because of the way society is. And again, I think that's why Solomon is saying to him, based on my experience, he's saying it's not worth it. And what Solomon tells us to do is simple. Certainly, um, there are women that you may find attractive that are not you're not married to. I mean, we have to be real, right? Right. right. But what Solomon says, what you ought to do then is to 
refocus on your wife so she becomes that what you you know treasure as well right so the, the, the same energy you would put into having the affair put that same energy into building your wife up so she becomes that which you were, you're seeking outside the relationship right you know he says that the woman outside the relationship gets you by flattering you with her words yep right now this is what we know she's not flattering you with words because she has experienced you because right. she don't know if you're a good man or not. Right. Your wife knows if you are or not. So his point then being, if I want my wife to flatter me with words, I need to do things that will cause her to flatter me with words. Right. And that way she will pick me up and make me feel good about myself, just like the other woman is. Right. You know? And in times when she doesn't, I need to recognize that, you know what? This woman just saying them things because she don't live with me. She don't clean my dirty drawers. <laughs> you know, right. She don't wash my dishes. Right. You, you know, those kind of things. But but what he says is true, you know, and it's so true. And, and and we have to as men teach our men the value of not stepping outside of the marital relationships. When Solomon said what he said, I mean if we, if we put it in the context, I'm sure the commentators say this as well. The context for Solomon was he had several wives. Well, why would a man keep getting wives? It's because they thought that the next wife would make him happy. Right. The next wife would make me happy. Why did he keep getting concubines? Because he thought that sexually, this woman can do it better. Right. Or, you know, if I get this version, it's going to be better. If I get, it, so he kept seeking something he could not get. Mm -hmm. So now as an old man, right. he's talking back and saying, you know what I realized? The first one was the best one, right? And that's the one I should have concentrated on, and I should have wasted my time with all these other hundreds of women, right? And just stayed with the first one that I had, right? And then he goes on to say, uh, "May her breast satisfy you always. Mm -hmm. May you ever be intoxicated with her love." Yeah, you know. And when the last part is, "May you ever be intoxicated with her love." Now I'm assuming that the people listening here have lived in the world and have been intoxicated at one point or another. Mm -hmm. And think about, now I'm not talking about the time when you was intoxicated, like at that point when you was like drunk drunk. But remember the time when you was drinking and you was feeling good and everything was all right and you was having fun, you was laughing and everything. Think about that with your spouse. I'll take you one better. You ain't got to think about alcohol at all. Think about how you felt the first time you was with her. Mm. Yeah. Think about how that made you feel. You, you know, that first time, that love was, was, was that love itself, because to intoxicate means to overcome. That's really what it means, to over. If I'm intoxicated, that means the alcohol has, has taken me over. That's really right. all it means, literally, right. right? I've been taken over by it. Right. So, <laughs> When you first, that first love, you are taken over by that person. You know, that, that's that, that kind of love that you feel like, you know what, if, if I got this, I don't need nothing else. Right? Mm -hmm. What Solomon teaches us is to don't lose sight of the importance of that person in your life and what they have been. And to keep in your mind that, that point. People do it all the time in the reverse. Now I'm saying it because this. 
That's why people put up with people. <laughs> yeah. Think about it. Yeah. It's because in their mind, they'd say, I know you're horrible, but I remember what you were. Right. And I know you can be it, be it again. And normally, it's people who are in an abusive relationship that, that do it that way. And, and unfortunately, people who are not in abusive relationships tend to forget how wonderful it was. Yeah. And they try to recapture. And again, he said it for history because he had it himself. That first love is intoxicating, right? And after five years, eh, the right. excitement goes. So he said, I saw it again. But I saw I saw it with another woman because the first love, but and he, the newness of the newness, right? That newness of it kept me kept me going. But now he says, "What? Listen, go back and remember how that first love was and rekindle it, right?" right. It, it, it makes me remember the um, the Muhammad the Ali movie, mm-hmm. the one with uh, Will Smith and how he kept bouncing from woman to woman. He and every time he found a new woman. He was just head over heels. Mm-hmm. And, and, and when he had got with the Nation of Islam, they was looking at him like, you can't do this. And his current wife was still around. Mm-hmm. You know, and they was trying to get him to like, look, come on, man. You know, it's just, it's just interesting how when you, when you get into the Bible and then all of a sudden you start remembering things, remember seeing things, movies that was written about it, and you start looking at a different aspect that was like, you know what, okay, I get it. You know, and like I said before, he's, he's been there in there for 25 years. You know, not not 50 years, 2,500 years. Oh, yeah. And we're still making the same mistakes. You know, and um, it goes on to say in verse 20, why must son be intoxicated with, a, with another man's wife? Why embrace the bosom of a wayward woman? You know, it's just he's. I can just. I can literally see him saying that to his sons. Like, why? It's, I'm telling you, it ain't worth it. And it's divorce of experience, right? You know. So now that we know what we should do, mm-hmm. okay, with our with our kids, our children as men, what is your advice on how to do it? Like, what's the the best ways to be able to to do it? I think the first thing that we have to do is that we have to modify our own behavior. I mean, you know, we have to be real ourselves, number one, right? For example, um, the question becomes is, do we seek wisdom as if it was our first love? You know, do, do we seek God as if it's our first love? Do we seek understanding above everything else? Because if we're not doing it, I don't care how much we tell the child to do it, or the teenager, or the 20-year-old, they're still going to say, well, okay, apparently that ain't what makes you happy. Right. You know, you're telling me one thing, but that's not how I see you got it. You know, did you get it that way? And so I think that's number one, is that we have to understand something. And again, Solomon came to that conclusion, but it was at the end of his life. You know, it's like, you know, this this is not what he wrote when he was in his 20s. Right? He didn't, this is not a collection when he was young. Right. Right? He has grown children now. And he says, now I've come to the conclusion that the whole duty of man is to fear God and keep his commandments. So I'm saying, we have to start seeking wisdom that way, as if, you know, it's our first love. And, and if we're doing it that way, and, and, if, and if our kids recognize and see 
that our success is is steeped in how we relate to God. That's 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 got to be the, the the thing right there. Our success is steeped in how we relate to our God and how we follow His commandments. If we don't do it that way and we don't show them that way, then the other stuff becomes secondary. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Right. So why would I seek something if you tell me the primary reason, way to get successful is not the Bible? Right. Uh, I'm gonna go the primary way you told me. Right? right. So if you told me the primary way was get a PhD in archaeology, that's what I'm gonna seek first. Right. And that's what we kind of do. We put more importance on college than we do Bible. Right. right. It's like you said, you didn't learn Proverbs early, right? But you learned algebra early, right? <laughs> right. right. You learned. So I think that's the first thing. And then once we do that, we have to start using, just like I said about the number of words we give to our kids, we have to start using that language with our kids. You know, not quoting scripture per se, right? But the the understanding part. You know, using that. So when they when they come to us with a with a question, and I think this is what I do with my son. When he comes to me with a question on Dad, how do I do? The answer I give him is always biblical. It's always a biblical answer. Right. It might, I might not say to him, "This comes from Matthew chapter five, right. verse three. <laughs> right. But it's always a biblical answer, and it's always steeped in the in, in the Bible. And sometimes he will say, "Where you get it from?" You know. And then I'll tell him, you know, it's here. Right. Uh, and, and here's what I have noticed, too. I'm sure you have noticed it with him as well, is that that joke will pull a scripture out of the Bible in a heartbeat. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> pull it out in a heartbeat. Yeah. And, and, and so the, the recognition is, is there, you know. And it, does that mean anyone is going to be perfect? No. You know, you're not going to be perfect. But it does lay that groundwork if, if we start doing it that way uh, so people will understand. Children that have grown up in that environment understand something. And that is, if I need it done bad, I need God first. Right. You know, when trouble come, go down on your knees. Right. I mean, say, and, and that's the, the huge difference. You know, there's some people, when trouble come, that's not their first thought. Yeah. Their first thought is, is to get some kind of worldly advice. Right. <laughs> you know, go see the uh, astronomer or... Right. Call the one eight hundred line to get to know. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. Uh, so I think that's the. I think that's what we have to do first. We 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 have to um, show them through us that that's how we live our lives, and then the teaching and, and do it in a way that so they understand that that's how I got where I got. Yeah. yeah. Well, because one thing's for sure, because I'm I'm doing a new exercise program. I, I called out to the Lord's name many times <laughs> this morning when I was on my back hurting. <laughs> so. It definitely happens. You know that age-old joke, you know, want to prove an atheist, not atheist, put him in a, a bad situation. The first thing he's going to say, help me, Lord, or, oh, my God. Or, oh, you, already, you just admitted that he exists. That's right. All right, so, Dr. Daniels, got anything else before we close out? I, you know, I, just, I, you know, I just like to say uh, to all of the young women that are out there listening and to all the young men, it's so important for us to raise strong black men. And, and, and I want to say to all of our, you know, our, our black women, if you want the father to be integral in the son's life, stop trying to be in charge. You know, stop sacrificing everything. Because if you sacrifice everything, you give no room for the father. 
you know, and I'm using I'm gonna use this example, ladies. Oftentimes in relationships, the 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 wife or the, the mother of the child, let's say that let's say that there is a baby's daddy involved. That mother of the child will get, try to get sole responsibility, sole custody. That's that's off the bat. Right. That's my child, I want sole custody. Well, if you got sole custody of the child, then it is extremely difficult for that child to have the influence that they need from their father. And as they're growing up, what happens is you sacrifice everything for the child. Because I, I get it, it's great, but if we want men to be men, sometimes you gotta let them be men. You know, you, you can't let the court take away their right to be the man. Right. You know, so let them be the man. If that guy says, I want custody of my son, give it to him. Give it to him so that he can be raised up in a man's world and understand the value of being a man and how he should treat a woman. You know, that's what he needs. Uh, and if you don't do that, you've taught him opposite of what the Bible says. Right. You've taught him that, you know, his role is not important and that's not what it should be. And I'm saying to every young man out there, if you have a son, by some, by you know, have a son that you don't have full custody of. You need to be not fighting against this woman. You need to be working with that woman so you can get custody. Right. Because you have an obligation, and and, and you as you do that, and if you're in, if you're married and you have a son, every man first and foremost, do what the Bible says. You know, get wisdom, get understanding, and apply it in your life. And, and don't allow anyone to stop you from being a strong father. I don't care if it's grandparent. I don't care if it's mother. I don't care what it is. I can tell you in my life, it, that's, that's a difficult thing. It's just difficult when you're a young parent because generally speaking, the, the, the mother has her ideas mm-hmm. and her parents have their ideas. Right. And your parents have their ideas. And all of them will tell you that they know more than you know. Okay, maybe they do. But... I'm still the parent. Right. I still have to be responsible. And if you're going to parent my child, then you're just taking away what Solomon said my job is. It, you know, and so right. that, that, that kind of makes me not what I'm, I'm, I should be. So I'm saying to guys, listen, be a man, assert your right, and, and, and get God first, and, and, and demonstrate through your actions how to be a strong, strong man, strong wife, excuse me, strong husband to your wife. All right, you heard it here. Thank you all so much for listening. This is your host, C.B. Baker. Till next time.